Paul a hand. Lord bless him. Praise Lord. Thank you, Pastor Shostrand. Amen. With all that's going on, it seems like everything is culminating today. Of all the rage and the anger and and uh, stress, uh, and I just came into the house of the Lord and we started singing and worshiping and just brought up a verse in my mind. And I'm glad we can come to this haven, this shelter of protection. And, and Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. That encourages me. That, that's where I get my strength. And that's, I just feel so much better already just being in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. We are going to be talking for a few weeks about a passive spirit. And tonight, I'll be doing the first lesson. And I, I titled it, if we have this, there we go. Breaking or to break the bondage of a passive spirit. Apathy ignores warning signs. When or if you have a passive spirit, you may believe that I don't need to take action because everything is going to be all right. And it's almost an attitude of disbelief, an attitude that nothing is, is ever going to happen that I can't get through. There's this, a news article I was reading. I'm just going to open up by reading this news article I found. A Holocaust survivor tells story of apathy and death. Even at 89 years old, and this was written in 2009, even at 89 years old, Charles Steen has not forgotten how it feels to have the door of opportunity and future possibilities shut slowly before his own eyes. He will never forget how he narrowly escaped death at the hands of the Nazis while waiting for immigration papers. He will never forget that his parents' denial of danger, the shutting of their eyes toward the hatred and injustice around them, led to their own death. He will never forget the price the world paid when the evil Hitler regime ran rampant in Europe. And Charles Steen wants to make sure the rest of the world remembers along with him. We need to remember what has happened in the past when it comes to the violence of the world. But I'm getting to a point that we need to remember what God has done for us and how he has kept us too. But continuing the story, sharing his memories of a stateless passport. He had a stateless passport. The haunting words, kill that Jew. Society's apathetic response to Hitler's policies and his desperation to escape. Stein recounted his experience as a survivor of the days leading up to the Holocaust during Team Redstone's Day of Remembrance commemorating program on May 8th in Bob Jones Auditorium. Stein, who eventually escaped to the U.S. and served as both a World War II and Korean, Korean War soldier and a civilian intelligence expert, the Department of Defense and the State Foreign Service, had his first experience with anti-Semitism in 1938 
as a medical student at the University of Vienna, Austria. In 1937, I entered medical school and was ready to become the greatest healer in the world, he recalled of his young ambition. On March 11, 1938, I went to school that morning, and in the top row of the classroom, I saw stormtroopers in Nazi uniforms. Some had guns in their belts. My mind went, what is going on? And I'm going to stop because this article is kind of long, but a good stopping point. In my mind, what is going on? What is happening? It, it doesn't make sense. What is going on in our society today? And I, I remember just a few short years ago where Christians were, to some point, held in high esteem. For most part, Christians were considered good citizens with moral values just a few short years ago. But biblical morals are now considered insensitive and backwards. One news reporter recently mocked a high-profile high senator as Mr. Bible Boy, and he didn't mean it in a positive way. This may or may not be something we need to be vigilant about. Now, I think we need to be paying attention to what's going on, but that's not what I'm talking about tonight necessarily. just wanted to use this as an example. But more importantly than what's going on now is our apathy toward the things of God. Our apathy toward our own relationship with the Lord and our salvation and those around us and their salvation. Those that we come in contact with. We, maybe I'm just speaking to myself and maybe this message is just for me tonight. But apathy can set in and we think everything is just going to work out. Everything is going to be alright. And so, I appreciate the 40 days of fire. It helps me realize that I can't just let things happen. But there is something very powerful, yet it seems very simple, that I can do and that you can do. We can connect with God through His Word, through prayer, and through fasting, and through fellowship with one another. As First Peter commanded, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, for the devil is a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. This is how I am becoming sober. This is how I'm becoming vigilant. How do I break the bonds of a passive spirit? I think the only way that we can break the bondage of being apathetic and passive is getting close to God and being sober and vigilant. So tonight, as we're talking about breaking the bondage of a passive, passive spirit, I'm going to talk about there's seven ways that we can do that. Seven ways to break the bonds of a passive spirit. Joshua chapter 14 described how Moses had given instructions to the children of Israel to divide up the land of Canaan, the promised land. Each tribe would have a, a section of the land of Canaan. And Joshua, after Moses had passed on, was one of the only ones left that were 20 years old or older at the time when they first came to the borders of Canaan. 
and the other was Caleb. The passive spirit of the ten spies kept Caleb from inheriting his portion of the land 45 years earlier. And just think, ten men's negative report, if you remember this story, ten men's negative report, is, that's how the Bible describes how they came back, affected millions of people. And we can affect those around us with our passive, afraid, fearful spirit. Caleb had been patient and had endured the wilderness. But he was just as passionate at the age of 85 as he was at the age of 40 about the promises of the Lord. He did not forget what the Lord told him. He did not forget that the Lord was going to give him this possession. He still wanted what God had promised to him. And, and maybe you received that promise of salvation and, and of joy and peace many years ago. And maybe you've been through the wilderness, but we cannot forget the possession that the Lord has promised to us. We still need to have that desire to have that just as much today as we did 20 years ago. We cannot let go of that. That's, that's how we become passive and we lose the passion for what really matters. We could be passionate, and I'm sorry if I'm yelling, I'm not meaning to yell, but we can be passionate about what's going on in D.C. right now. We could be passionate about that, and maybe we should be. But I want to be passionate about something that's going to last. I want to be passionate about something where I'm going to spend eternity with my family, Lord willing, and with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where I want to spend my passion. And so Caleb did not give up on the promise of God. If, if we could go to Joshua 14 and start at verse number 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Caleb is saying, you remember what the Lord said to us? The Lord said, we're going to get this land. The Lord is, is going to give us this promise, this, this possession. You remember that, Joshua? Verse 7, 40 years old was I, Caleb speaking. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land or spy out the land, and I brought him words, word again as it was in mine heart. What Caleb honestly felt, he shared with Moses. He didn't make it up. He wasn't pretending to be passionate. He wasn't pretending because he knew who his God was. Verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me, the other ten, made the heart of the people melt. But I, wholly, followed the Lord my God. Ten brought discouragement. Now, I, I like how the Message Bible makes this statement. But I stuck to my guns, totally with God, my God. But I stuck to my guns. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not letting go of what God has promised to me. 
Verse 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly, completely followed the Lord my God. Verse 10, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. I'm eighty-five. Verse 11, As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even no, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, verse 12, Give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. Forty-five years earlier, give me that mountain that the Lord promised to me. For thou hardest, excuse me, thou heardest in that day how the Anakims, or the giants, were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. As the Lord said. Give me this mountain. This was the attitude of Caleb. He is described as holy or completely following the Lord, his God. So the number one way to break a passive spirit is by holy following the Lord. Out of the twelve spies, only two came back with a word of faith. The word that God gave Joshua and Caleb, God has given us this land. He gave, God said, God has given us this land. And I believe what Caleb must have been either saying or thinking is, now let's take it. Let's go get it. Ten spies acted with fear and were satisfied with just leaving Egypt. They didn't want to go. On. Where else were they going to go? There was nowhere else to go but the wilderness. And they were satisfied with just leaving Egypt. Are we satisfied with just leaving sin? With just leaving Egypt? Or do we want more? Do I want more than just being freed from the sin and the bondage of sin? Or do I want to experience the promises and the power of the Lord mighty God? God has more for us. He not only deliver us from, delivers us from the enemy, but God wants to deliver us to something. He delivers us from something, sin, to deliver us to something. And that is a possession. And that possession is the kingdom of God. We're a part of something great and something big. Something bigger than this church, which I am so thankful for. And something bigger than the United Pentecostal Church. And something bigger than the government. And something bigger than this world. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And sometimes we take that for granted. We, we don't realize the thing that we're really a part of. And why should I fear what the devil can bring me? Why should I fear what people say about me when I'm part of the, the, the mighty kingdom of Jesus Christ? He delivers from so that he can deliver us to. 
God is not a God of incompletion, but he's a God of completion. He wants to complete what he has started in us. And I believe Caleb knew this. He never gave up on that promise because he knew God wanted to complete the promise that he had given to him. God not only calls us from sin, but he wants to complete his work in us and take us to a new destination. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out. Out of what? Out of darkness. Into, into what? His marvelous light. And, and if we're not getting to that point, we need to re reevaluate our relationship with the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to go to something greater, Lord. When God calls us from sin in the world so that we can go to our inheritance, He won't leave us alone. But He will be there and guide us along the way. So the first way to break a passive spirit is to, boy, too much on my mind, is to wholly follow the Lord. I should have known that. Is to wholly follow the Lord completely. The second way to break a passive spirit is by knowing God is taking us to a destination and I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. From prison, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Philippian church. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If he started something in you, he is going to complete it. The Apostle was in prison here when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church. He knew that he hadn't finished the work that the Lord had given him. He must have known that God has more for me. And as Paul said to this church, I believe he's saying this to us today. Nothing is going to stop God from completing his work in the church. Nothing is going to stop God from completing his work in you and me. Not imprisonment, not persecution, and not a plague. Nothing shall stop what God has started. He that began a good work in you, pulled you out of darkness, is not through with you yet. And if you feel like you're stuck, you feel like you're down and out and things aren't working out, I want to tell you tonight in a word of encouragement, God is not through with you yet. God is not done with you yet. God is not done with me yet. You feel like maybe you went backwards in your walk with God. That you aren't where you used to be. I want to tell you tonight, God is not through with us yet. He's still going to do something. He's still going to use us to be a blessing. To make a change. To make a difference. He is going to perform it. He's going to keep working. To take you to your inheritance. Until the day Jesus calls us home, either individually or the day he comes back for his church. He's going to complete his work. And so we are called, I believe, to be overcomers. And we're not called to give up. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, that verse that many of us love. But a power love and a sound mind, right? Or self-control. 
And right now, I need what God has for me. Amen? Amen. And I will add this too. God has not called us to be passive or apathetic. <clears throat> God has not called us to sit back and be quiet. To sit back and not pray. To sit back and not seek His face. But God has called us to be passionate about the right things. As the children of Israel got caught up, caught up in the power of the world around them, as they got caught up in realizing and thinking that there's walled cities, there's giants, there's nothing we can do, they gave up and didn't even try. But Caleb never gave up. Caleb didn't give up. And so the third way to break a passive spirit is by never giving up. Numbers chapter 32 says this, starting at verse 11. Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Why did they not receive their inheritance? Why did they not receive their blessing, their possession? And why may we not receive what God has for us? <coughs> it's because when we don't wholly and completely follow him. Save, verse 12, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun. For they have wholly followed the Lord. Verse 13, and the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. Obviously, reading this story, the Lord doesn't want us to give up. The Lord doesn't want us to give up. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like you failed? I think I'm talking to everybody. If you're human, a human being, you have felt like a failure before. But God doesn't want us to give up. And God, it says his anger was kindled. I think his anger was kindled or, or, or set off because Israel did not trust that God could give the promise. And I don't know if that's the problem. Maybe we don't believe that God really wants to bless us. And, and I wonder, I, I don't, I'm not reading into this too much, but I wonder if that, I know it dissatisfies the Lord because He wants so much for us. He wants to bless us and touch us and keep us. And we prevent Him from doing all that He wants to do in us. So God only gave the promise to Joshua and Caleb because they wholly, completely followed the Lord. In the New Testament, God gives believers the same message. In Hebrews 6, starting at verse 9, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you. We are persuaded better things of you. And things that accompany salvation. Thus, though we speak, or excuse me, though we thus speak, God has more for us. He has better things for us. 
Verse 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name. He's not going to forget it. And that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Verse 11, and we desire that every one of you do, this, do show the same diligence. God wants us to pursue. God wants us to have diligence. God wants us to be passionate to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And the message, again, I looked at what the message, how it described it. It says this, I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a, toward a full-bodied hope and keep at it till the finish. Keep at it till the finish. We're not finished, are we? Amen. I'm not finished here tonight. And, and, and you are not finished. Keep up. Keep at it. Verse 12, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who, excuse me, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The message says, don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith. And then get everything promised to them. <clears throat> keep believing in the promises of God. Know that he's going to keep you. Be steadfast and don't give up. So at the beginning of 2021, the question that I'm asking myself is, do I want to walk in all of the authority and all the power that God has given to those that believe? I remember stories in the Bible that signs and wonders and miracles followed those that believed. God has given us authority. And I, I don't know what He wants to do in me. And I don't know what He wants to do in you. But I know that He wants to do something in each and every one of us. If so, I have to break free from a passive spirit. A passive spirit affects every area of my life. You might think it's only affecting my relationship with God. But when you don't have a relationship with God or your relationship has grown cold with the Lord, it affects every other area of your life. If I'm looking at the situations in this world right now through the eyes of no hope in heaven, no hope of God, blessing me, no God, hope of God giving me peace in the storm, I'm going to be affected by that. But if I'm looking at it through, my God shall keep me, my God shall take care of me, God, my God will bless me, and He will take me one day to the other side, I can see through a different perspective. So passive spirit can affect every area of your life. But the opposite is true as well. A spirit of believing and perseverance can affect and penetrate every area of my life. Number four. You can break a passive spirit by believing God can change your circumstances. And I'll try to hurry along. We can believe God can change our circumstances. Do I believe that this is the best I can expect, or is there more? Am I just passive and depressed and accepting where I'm at, where I'm going, and there's nothing more for me? What this does is prevents us from communicating with God and asking God to do more in us. 
And so instead of accepting our circumstances, we need to have faith that God can work, He can move, and He can deliver. Thinking about the three Hebrew children, that the king threw them in the fiery furnace for not bowing down. They said to the king, we don't know if the Lord is going to save us, but we know that he can. Right? I don't know if the Lord is going to deliver us out of this situation that we're in right now, but I know that he can. And then I started thinking about the Apostle Paul. He didn't give up either. He had a thorn in the flesh, the Bible describes, some kind of sickness. I don't know exactly what it was. But something that he prayed, must have prayed very hard about, three times it says, for God to deliver him. And the Bible said that, no, basically. But I, I think that Paul knew when he prayed this that God could do anything. God could deliver. And so we don't determine how God responds to our prayers, do we? But we can have faith that God will answer our prayer or give us the ability to make it through, to overcome. So there were two different situations that, to me that were similar because they were both very hopeless situations. And in both situations, the three Hebrew children and the Apostle Paul, they all had faith in God that he could deliver. But in this Situ in both different situations, there were different answers from God. So this should tell us, just from these two stories in the Bible, that God doesn't always answer the way that we want. God said yes to the three Hebrew children and delivered them out of the fiery furnace. But God said no to the Apostle Paul. He said, I don't know if God will heal me, but I know he can. At least that's what I think Paul said. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says it this way though. And he said unto me, this is Paul talking about the Lord. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Even though I'm weak, this situation, whatever situation that you're facing, whatever situation that I'm facing, I know we're all facing different situations. I want to have enough faith to believe that God can deliver, but I also want to be believe that God can give me strength and He can be bring victory in my situation, even if He doesn't answer the way I want Him to answer. And is it possible? That is an even greater victory when God doesn't answer the way we want. Because his, his strength is made perfect. And Paul said, I, I'd rather, I rather, or I want to glory in my infirmities and what's going on in my life as long as the Lord is with me. Right? But a passive spirit will keep you from even praying the prayer of faith. Isn't that the sad part? 
When you have a passive spirit, a spirit of apathy, where you don't even believe, you're missing out on either a healing or a victory, or you're missing out on God giving you the strength to get through it. And so I want to break this bondage of apathy. I want to break it. I want to get out of it. I want to have passion for the things of God, for the things that really matter, because I want to live a life of either victory or I want to live a life where God is being made strong in my life. Amen? Do you agree? Number five, break a passive spirit by changing your actions. Luke 24, 53 says, and we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. They were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And, and Acts 6, 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The disciples did what they knew to do. They continued in the actions and behaviors that they knew God called them to. They continued to be in the right place, which was the temple. And they continued with the right actions, which was praising God and blessing God. And they gave themselves to prayer and serving. They did the right actions. Our actions affect our emotions. And I say that because maybe you feel like, right now I don't have passion for anything. Or maybe you have passion for the wrong things, or things that don't matter, or things that just read you, take you and lead you down the wrong path. But your actions can affect your emotions. Sometimes we think the opposite. Whatever I'm emotional about, whatever I'm passionate about, is what I act upon, which partially is true. But you will be passive about, passive about something that you don't feel strong emotion for. So how can you become passionate about something that you have lost your desire for? I once heard advice that was given to a married couple. They had lost the passion for their marriage. They had fallen out of love with each other. The emotions or the feelings of love for each other had slipped away over the years. But this couple knew that they should stay and remain married. They felt like it was the right thing to do. But how miserable they were and how miserable would it be for them to remain together. And they were given the advice to do the actions of love. So what does love do? Love shows concern. Love serves the other. Love sacrifices its desires for the other's desires. So eventually after taking the actions of love over time, acting upon what I know I should do, acting and serving the other, this couple started feeling the love. The emotions came back. The passion came back. So to break the spirit of apathy, we must act in a way that shows we have passion for the things of God. And I'll give you an example from Psalm 77, 
starting at verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? And this is, this writer is expressing how he felt disconnected from the Lord as you read through this psalm. He felt disconnected from God. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Verse 8, in his mercy is his mercy clean gone forever. Doth his promises fail forevermore? Verse 9, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. You ever felt that way? Does God even care? I know the disciples felt that way in the bottom of the, of the ship when there was a storm. God, do you even care? Verse 10, and I said, this is my infirmity. This is my sickness. I feel disconnected from God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm not close to God, when I've experienced a closeness to God before, it feels kind of sickening. I feel like I've lost something. I'm disconnected. And, and, and I think the writer is saying, is there anything I can do? And in verse 10, he kind of starts talking about what he's going to do. So I, I feel disconnected from the Lord. I feel like my relationship with the Lord is, is like a marriage and, and we're, we're not uh, feeling the emotions of love anymore. But the par second part of verse 10 starts out by saying, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will do the actions of love. I'm going to reach out to you, Lord, by praising you. Verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. So I started reading this and I was like, I'm already feeling like I'm connecting to the Lord already. I I'm just reading some praise scriptures and I just feel like I'm connecting to God. I will meditate, verse 12 says, also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. So the writer started off feeling separated from God. But then the writer starts remembering the power of God. And he started meditating upon his works. So remembering the acts of love for a spouse is like remembering the power of God and all of his mercy and all of his grace. And when you do this day after day, how can you not fall back in love with the Lord? So I think that our actions, if we will take some actions, the actions of love, the actions of dedication to the Lord, the actions of worship, I believe we will get that emotion and that passion and those feelings for the Lord. That's why the scripture says in everything, give thanks, right? These are some of the actions that break the spirit of passivity. Number six, hurrying along. We break a passive spirit by, be, be, excuse me, by being single-minded or focused. James 4, 7, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Being passive about your walk with God is being double-minded. And so the Bible tells us to purify our hearts. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. A, a heart that is pulled in so many different directions 
is not a clean heart. It needs cleansed. And if you are pulled in too many directions in your mind and your heart, it's impossible to be passionate about God. Luke eleven thirty four says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thy eye is single, thy whole body is also full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body is also full of darkness. So Jesus here is the light. The light represents purity, understanding, and direction. And the way we take in his light is through the eye of our soul or the heart. And it describes that this heart, this eye, must be single. Or maybe a better way to describe it is a clear eye. If our eye is clear and not cluttered, it allows the light of God to come in and shine into our lives. Because if it's cluttered and dirty, and you can't focus, the light can't come in our hearts and in our lives and our bodies. And it's the, the Bible described it here is, Thy body also is full of darkness. I'm going to skip down to number seven. Number seven, the way to break a passive spirit is by persevering. This is very similar to not giving up, but I think it goes a little bit beyond that. Not giving up is one thing, but walking with the Lord for a period of time, maybe for years, there comes a time when you just have to persevere. You just have to keep pushing. And so what will help me persevere? What will help me persevere? It's not, not hype. That won't help me persevere. Not some, having someone to have to excite me. That's not going to help me persevere. That lasts for a short time. But what will help us persevere is when we possess something that is real. When we possess the kingdom of God. We need to not just know about the kingdom of God, but we need to possess our inheritance. Possess it. And I believe if we will possess what God has promised to us, He will help us persevere. And when we're persevering, we will be passionate and break the spirit of passivity. And I'm just going to end with this last verse because I just don't want to leave it out. Matthew 11:12. 12. Skip down to Matthew 11:12. 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Ephesians 6:12 talks about how we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So there's some involvement on our part. We have to get involved. We have to be violent when it comes to seeking and, and going after and fighting against the things that keep us from being passionate about the Lord and His kingdom. Praise the Lord. I'm going to turn this back over to Pastor Chostrand. But this year... I pray that we commit ourselves from breaking a spirit of passivity. Amen. Praise the Lord. I